Hello and welcome to Anthropod episode 2. Today we are taking on biological anthropology. We are joined by anthropology student Sofia Zaragoza. Hello Sofia and thank you for being here. Hello, great to be here. So what are we going to be talking about today? Well, today I'm going to be talking about sexual dimorphism. Mm, I'm not really familiar with that word, so do you think you could define it for me? Sure. So sexual dimorphism, most simplistically, is characteristics that differ between biological males and biological females. So primates have primary sex differences, which are directly, directly related to mating and reproduction. So, for example, genitalia would be a primary sex difference. But when we are talking about sexual dimorphism, we aren't talking about primary sex differences. We are talking about secondary sex differences. And secondary sex differences are differences between the biological sexes that are not directly related to mating. So, for example, canine size and body mass, to name well-known ones. So males having larger canines than females or males being bigger than females. Okay, so why do we look into sexual dimorphism? How can it be applicable to humans specifically? That's a great question. So looking into human dimorphism is important for a variety of reasons. One of them is its importance in forensic anthropology. So looking at sexual dimor- sexually dimorphic features in humans in remains can help identify the sex of a deceased person. So for example, looking at dental remains, there are sex differences in tooth size. The male sex has greater manipular width and greater intercanine distance than biological females. Similarly, looking at peptides in the tooth enamel in dental remains can contribute to sex identification. So the nucleotide of the protein amylogenin looks different based on the presence of a Y chromosome. So looking at these differences in dental remains can help identify the sex of a person and can contribute to solving cases. Wow, that's so interesting. So I see its application to forensics. Are there other applications to why we should study sexual dimorphism? Yes. So looking at dimorphism in the fossil record, we can infer about behaviors of extinct species and even human ancestors. Welcome back if you're just joining us. So Sophia... How would you be able to know about past behaviors based on sexual dimorphism? So sexual dimorphism, particularly in regards to body mass dimorphism and canine dimorphism, are often looked at as effects of sexual selection. Sexual selection? So sexual selection is a variation of natural selection, wherein certain traits are adaptations that provide advantages in the context of sexual reproduction instead of the context of the environment, like natural selection. Mm, Okay. Yeah, so traits such as larger canines in biological males would be attributed to the frequency of mate competition over a mate, And the same thing goes for body mass. So, for example, chimpanzee males have larger canines compared to females and participate in male-on-male competition for a female mate. This is in comparison to gibbon males and females who have monogamous relationships and don't participate in this type of competition and have very little sexual dimorphism. So this would be an example of how sexual selection and dimorphic features are associated with each other. Okay, so I'm just trying to wrap my head around this. So you're saying if we see high dimorphism in the fossil record of our ancestors, we can assume that they had high male-to-male competition? 
Well, it's not always that simple. So yes and no. A lot of dimorphic features are attributed to sexual selection when it may not necessarily be the case. So sexual selection doesn't always tell the full story, especially when there is so much variation in dimorphism among species, which is why more research on dimorphism and its causes is being done. That being said, if you want to assume that sexual selection is the reason for sexual dimorphism, if we look at Artipithecus teeth, um, one of our previous um, ancestors or a common ancestor, we see that there are not very that the canine teeth are not very large, and thus we can somewhat hypothesize that males were not vigor vigorously competing with each other for a mate. So what would other explanations of sexual dimorphism be if it's not sexual selection or mate competition? Well, there have been other studies and theories to explain this phenomenon. So Chevrolet and Luton Egger theorized elements of sexual dimorphism that could explain patterns of dimorphism. One of them specifically is body size and its relationship to dimorphism. So essentially that the bigger the body size of the primate, the larger the dimorphism. So males grow slightly faster or longer. So growing bigger, they will increase, will increase the divergence between males and females. So that's how sort of body mass dimorphism increases or kind of arises over time. They also stated that sexual dimorphism increases over time if male traits are more variable. Okay. Can you explain a little more about what you mean by males being more variable? Yeah. So what I mean is pretty much how there's more variation within males than within females. So for example, in most primates, there is not a huge amount of variation between highly successful and low successful females in terms of reproduction. Females who produce a large amount of offspring versus females who produce um, less offspring aren't going to have as much variation as males who produce more offspring than males who produce less, less offspring. Um, so apart from those theories, there's also other theories on predation. So theories that sexual dimorphism, such as body mass size is because of protection against predators. So males are larger and have larger body mass or larger canines to protect themselves against predators. So essentially what we have is sexual dimorphic features and variation can have greater implications on social behaviors and such than just male-to-male -male competition. Very interesting stuff. Well, we're all out of time for today, but before we go, Sophia, can you answer a question for me? Sure, go ahead. What do you call people who don't believe in evolution? I don't know. Primate change deniers. So we want to thank all of our listeners and viewers for today and all of our sponsors and our special guest, Sophia Zaragoza. We hope to catch you next time on Anthro Podcast.